Welcome to this special edition of the Unpacking It podcast. I'm Bryce Johnson, and today's show is actually Super Saturday. That's right. We did an event the day before the Super Bowl uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, the Super Saturday Man Breakfast number nine, and we are going to share some of that content with you today. And so for those of you listening to this podcast or watching the podcast you will hear from an unbelievable panel of, of NFL guys. And, and so it's current Panther Johnny Hecker, former Falcon fullback Justin Griffith, and former NFL linebacker, play for the Panthers, the Giants, Michael Barrow. And so all three of those guys joined me on a panel in, in front of uh, around 300 guys at a, an awesome church in Charlotte, Central Church. And, and so it was a really fun morning. Fellowship, food, football, uh, all the excitement uh, surrounding the, the Super Bowl. But more importantly, we talked about some really encouraging topics. And, and so a lot of this has nothing to do with the Super Bowl, what you'll hear today. For the guys that were there in attendance, it was a you know fun Super Bowl uh, conversation early on. But for, for you guys listening now and watching now, uh, enjoy the conversation that we had. A little bit about their football careers, a little bit of football talk, but then we get into life and faith and uh, what what God has taught them, and we we just get into some really important topics uh, that I believe uh, can challenge, encourage, and inspire you in your own life uh, today. So we're going to jump into that. It's a a special uh, edition here of the the Unpacking the Podcast, and we are brought to you by Sugar Creek Coffee. Visit sugarcreekcoffee.com. Use the promo code Unpack and save some money on your order and enjoy some delicious. Coffee from Sugar Creek. They specialize in handcrafted, small-batch, artesian roasted coffee. They don't roast until you actually place an order, so you can be assured that the freshest roasted coffee is delivered to your door. SugarCreekCoffee.com. Use the promo code UNPACK. Here we go. Super Saturday. Enjoy. There we go. There's the music. There we go. Let's go. Michael Barrow was drafted in the second round of the 1993 NFL Draft by the Houston Oilers. He spent his college career at Miami, where he was a two-time national champion and the Big East Defensive Player of the Year. He played in the NFL from 1993 to 2005 for the Oilers, Panthers, Giants, Redskins, and Cowboys. He's been a football coach at Miami and in Seattle. He's now an assistant coach at Charlotte Christian. He's a husband. They've got four kids, age 9 to 20. He's also a minister at Community Outreach Church. He's very involved in the community. He's actually hosting a free event tomorrow. It's a Super Bowl watch party. It's called the Queen City Super Bowl Festival. So you can ask him about that. Michael, come on up. Thanks for being here. Grab a seat. Grab a seat. All right. Justin Griffith was drafted by the Atlanta Falcons in the fourth round of the 2003 NFL Draft after playing his college football at Mississippi State. He also spent time with the Raiders and Seahawks and after his playing days was on the coaching staff in Oakland and Seattle. He is a husband, father of four boys, pastor of Open Arms Charlotte and restaurant owner of the famous Toastery Uptown. Justin Griffith, come on up. Thank you. 
So Johnny Hecker, he can come on up. He went undrafted in 2012 after a great career at Oregon State where he was a walk-on. Then he signed with the St. Louis Rams, spent his entire career with the Rams until this past season when he joined the Panthers as a free agent. He's a member of the 2010s All-Decade team. He holds two NFL records, has been on the All-Pro team six times, won a Super Bowl last year with the Rams. He and his wife have two children. Johnny Hecker, come on down. All right. Man, I'm fired up. Let's go. Sweet. So these, these are our guys today, and uh, we're, we're going to have some fun with them. So this time last year, Johnny Hecker was with the Rams and was, was winning the Super Bowl. And, and it was cool to see the, the Lombardi Trophy and, the, and the, the ring today. Nothing compared to the fantasy ring, but very cool. Uh, but but what, what was your experience like with the Super Bowl? As you think back a year later, what's the takeaway? What's the memory? Yeah, I mean, I have... Yeah, two pieces of hardware that will be with me for the rest of my life. Uh, you know, it's, I get to cement those memories with the teammates that I had. You know, we'll have reunions down the road. We'll figure out. Um, there, you, there you go. Nice. That looks, um, looks good. You know, and it's that, that's probably the best thing about it is football. The rosters rotate so much. You know, I'm not going to be able to go back and have many reunions with the 2013 St. Louis Rams. Wasn't much memorable about, about that season, but this team. Um, the guys that were on that, they got, I got to work with all season. And I'll remember forever. And um, it, it was really special. You know, I had lost in 2018 to everyone's favorite villain, Tom Brady. Um, <laughs> they probably cheated somehow, but it's <laughs> water under the bridge at this point. And, uh, you know, and to, yeah, I remember, you know, watching the Patriots celebrate their, the punter on that team, not to go there again, but he was one of my good friends I played with in college. So, uh, I, it hurt a little bit, sung in my heart that, you know, I should, I should be the one winning that trophy and you know, kind of built some resolve to work hard and get back to it again. And to finally win it was a, a great feeling, but there are other things in life that I've felt way more fulfilled than when I raised that trophy. So we can talk about that a little bit later, but um, it felt great. But um, getting married, having children, those are things that will long surpass and, and bring back deeper memories inside my heart uh, than than this will. This is just nice to look at. That's right. That's right. It's fun. It's fun for fans, but a lot more meaning and purpose in, in life beyond it. That's for sure. And satisfaction and fulfillment, which we'll talk about in, in a little bit. So, Michael, you were on that Giants team that, that lost in the Super Bowl against the Ravens. Uh, sorry to bring it up. What in the so, world? Sorry to bring it up, but hey. We're, shots. <laughs> hey, we're, we're, we're real, we're real and, and honest here th this morning. So, how fun was it to be in the Super Bowl? But then when you, you think about, man, we, we fell short. All these years later, what, what comes to mind when you think about it? I mean, it, it, it hurts. You know, still think, hurts. Yeah, it still hurts. I mean, it's still disappointing. Obviously, uh, you finally make it to there, and especially uh, being at, uh, coming from University of Miami at the time, you know, my five years there, all right, uh, we, I won two national championships. We finished, and we only lost five games. So I'm coming with the, with the standard or, or the expectation or the appetite of winning. You know, and I, I don't know if at the end I got to check it. I mean, we're probably the only giant team that ever went to the Super Bowl and lost. <laughs> you know, so I don't know how true that is, but I got to research that. But, no, it hurts. I mean, because you get that far and everything. Like, I, uh, my, my creed for my life, for personal philosophy, is COBMB, committed on being my best. And in, in a team sport, you know, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a great feeling 
when you able to achieve and everybody work together, especially with the Giants, because we didn't have that expectation of making it to the Super Bowl. And to go through the season where you mentioned about Jim Fossil, and he was like in the midst of the season, he's like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm putting all my chips on the table. We're all in. And that became like the, the rallying cry for everybody as we all just kind of gelled together and all just came together and we just took that wave all the way, all the way to the Super Bowl. And, uh, and, and one thing, when you get to that point, you know, you want to find a way to finish. You know, you want to finish. And then unfortunately, from that standpoint, we couldn't finish. You know, and I thought the night before, I was like, because uh, I think prior, I really thought about how, um, what's the quarterback name from us, uh, St. Louis Rams, I'm drawing a blank, Kurt, Kurt Warner, how he, when he, you know, was in there, and he, he's like, thank you, Jesus, you know? And I was like, it was so authentic and so genuine. And so the night before, I was like, instead of grabbing that trophy, I'm going to grab You know that, how your grandma had that big old Bible on them, sitting on the coffee table, right? I'm going to say, thank you, Jesus, oh, and live up the word of God. But that didn't happen, you know? <laughs> so how do you at least, at least not on that stage. So right. I kind of did the same thing because after the game, uh, you know, they have, you know, interviewed with players. And I had my, my Bible. And I thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and it come across the same way with the same enthusiasm, right? But even in defeat, right, I still want to give God the glory, you know? Amen. So. That's cool. No, that's a great, great perspective. One last thing on, on this, this uh, Super Bowl matchup. So the Kelsey brothers, I mentioned earlier, they're, they're going head-to-head. So mm -hmm. slightly different, but I just thought I'd get your thoughts on it. So your brother-in-law, Al Wallace, uh, of course, played for, the, played for the Panthers. So just your thoughts on, on two brothers playing against each other in, in the Super Bowl. What do you think uh, of I that? Think that's a, I think that's a great story. Um, even talking to Big Al, uh, my brother-in-law, man, they – when they went to go and they played the Patriots in the Super Bowl and, and the comeback, they fell short. Mm. And even talking to him about it, it still stings. Mm. I mean, it still stings. I mean, this, I mean, he's a massive of a man, but he's crying. All those guys crying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 amazing how grown men sometimes cry when you are when you feel defeated. Mm. And it, even in life, man, when you feel defeated, you still have something to run to. Mm. And so even uh, talking to Big Al about that, yeah, it still stings, but you, gotta, you get to a point where you have to move on. Mm. And, I mean, you're losing to Tom Brady anyway. Man. That's right. So, a lot of I mean, people can relate. A lot of people can relate. That's yeah. a long list. A long list of That's guys a, and a long list of fan bases. Yeah, man. So, uh, I mean, I, I think you, you get over it and you, and you keep pushing and, and – um, and the Panthers got back, and then they lost again to another great guy, Peyton Manning. <laughs> That's right. So um, the great ones find a way to do it, man, but uh, what an opportunity to get there. Well, man, we, we, we could talk football all morning and, and appreciate some of the, the insight stories. And, and really this morning, we, we want to hear their, their hearts and, and what matters most to them and, and their, their passion for their faith and for Jesus. And, and so we'll, uh, we'll dive into some, some life and faith conversations. And, and Johnny, I want, I want to start with you uh, as we talked beforehand. When you were at Oregon State, that was a, a pivotal time in, in your life. T take us into that, that season of, of life and, and that, that time period and, and how God ultimately 
change the, 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 the course of your life and the direction that, that you ultimately are, are now on? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I went to college, was kind of the man on campus in high school, felt great about what I was doing, was a quarterback, kicked and punted out of necessity. Um, God gave me an opportunity to, I get a phone call from Oregon State's special teams coach saying, hey, I'm like, hey, he must be the area director calling me. I'm not sure what, what's going on. Special teams coach said, hey, we uh, have seven quarterbacks on scholarship, zero punters. We think you could, you could punt for our team. So I said, okay, took a leap of faith, prayed about it with my family, go to Corvallis. Uh, kind of my, my first couple weeks there, found out stuff at home is kind of falling apart between my parents, created kind of a big wound in my heart, which in turn I, I turned and started chasing everything that we all chased in college oh, to try and fill that void. Uh, everything except the Lord, and I grew up in the church. Sports kind of took the, the front seat my last few years of high school with priorities and time and, and attention. And so that's kind of where my treasure lied. So got to college, didn't really have the support of my, my home church, my parents, was off on my own trying to figure things out the best I could. And, uh, you know, I was looking through a, a bad lens to try and figure those problems out, but I was able to... I got invited to a, a men's Bible study Tuesday nights. I came for the free food, not going to lie. Came for the free food and uh, stayed because of the authenticity. You know, we had guys standing up sharing real things that were going through their, their hearts and, and through their minds, real problems. Guys say, hey, I am struggling with lust. I'm like, why is he standing up telling, saying this stuff? Like, what, what are you doing? You're a sinner. Why are you saying this? Like, this is a, we're still supposed to be a holy place. But I thought that the authenticity of the moment of guys being able to be together, share really what's on their heart, really let other people in, uh, create that um, sense of, yeah, community and genuineness was, was fruitful. And so I stayed in that Tuesday men's Bible study. My wife was in the women's Bible study a few doors down on Tuesday nights. Met her through that and, um, you know, I'm where I am today because of it. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and really to, to speak about that, small group and being around other men and, and that's why I mentioned earlier and, and so can't you know talk about that enough. And so let, let's let's hear even from both of you guys, we'll, we'll hear some of your story, but just let's let's pick up in that regard as far as the need for other guys in your lives and, and how along your journey of faith that's impacted you. So Michael, can you share? Yeah, I mean no different when you talk about you know winning the championship, right? I mean, obviously, there's certain important uh, pieces that you got to have. You know, we talk about quarterbacks and stuff. We trying to joke around, talk about Tom Brady being the GOAT and stuff like that. But they can't win it on their own. You know, you got to have a team, right, doing, uh, pulling in the same direction in order to, uh, to accomplish those goals. You know, we said at the beginning of the season, you know, it's everybody want to be a champion, you know. But as the season unfolds, it separates the contenders from the pretenders, right? And in life, uh, I was a coach at University of Miami, and we had these specialists, military specialists, come and do like a team-building exercise with us. And they said, hey, guys, it's two type, two roles that needed on this team, all right? Great leaders and great teammates, all right? A great leader accomplished the mission, and a great leader also uh, take care of his teammate and make every decision with the best interest of a team in mind. Right? That's no different from being a father. Right? We want to accomplish the mission, whatever God called us to do, but we want to make every decision with the best interest of our family mind. Kind of what he alluded to when the Panthers called 
and going through that Rolodex is this a good place for him, right? And then a great teammate, right, upholds the standard, upholds himself to the standard. So whatever that standard is, now being a Christian, that standard is the word of God. So we're going to bend our life to fit that truth instead of bending his truth to fit our life, right? And so a great teammate not only holds himself to the same standard, but he hold, help hold his teammates to that same standard. And so a lot of times, I, the, the guy that made the mistake in uh, the Cincinnati game, the young guy, right? Yeah. Defender. Yeah, and I was thinking, I, was, I said, something came to mind. I said, I, I bet that, that was not the first time he did something like that. I said, I said I'm curious if that was the first time he did something like that, right? And what I mean is that in practice, you got to correct it. Don't wait to the game to say something, right? And so it's important, like one, the Bible says one can chase a thousand, two can chase what? Ten thousand, right? And so when we talk about the team, when I look at back at my life, right, not only the being at University of Miami, it's a brotherhood. I'm part of a group chat, Canes for Life, right? And I mean, once a cane, always a cane. And just to be the surrounded by those guys that helped me accomplish in football, I was able to experience the same thing when I gave my life to Christ. I gave my life to Christ when I came to Carolina, and I made it. And I was like, ask God, like, God, what was the difference between then and there? I was fired up. I made it. I was like, yeah, Jesus, but I couldn't make it. And one of the things I thought about in addition to knowing about the love of God instead of the laws of God, right, I had teammates. I had men in that church that looked beyond Mike Barrow, the football player, and dealt with Mike Barrow, the person. And so I always say, look, I got enough fans. I need true friends. I need somebody that tell me, hey, you got a boogie in your nose and your breath stink. (laughs) Right? That's what I need. I don't need. And so because I I tell this all the time to kids, if if I draw a six in front of you right now, a draw six in front of everybody, what do you see? I see a six. What do you see? I see a six. What do you see? I see a six. But that's the thing. We have blind spots, and sometimes we can only see the six, but we need good teammates around us to help us see the nines and help us see the blind spots. And then that's how you become successful. That's Amen. how you want to Well said. Well said, Mike. I appreciate that. <clears throat> Justin, you want to jump in with any No, I, I, mean, the, the, I mean, they said it. Cool. Uh, but I, I was, it's all about accountability. Yes. It's all about accountability. You, gotta, you have to have that person in your life that would tell you when you're right, tell you when you're wrong. That person that's checking up on you, the person that's calling you, the person... And when you, you'll find out when you, if you have that person in your life, when you're on the verge of doing something you shouldn't be doing, yeah. somehow, shape, form, or fashion, you're going to get a text, yeah. you're going to get a call, or something that they said will resonate with you in that moment. The Bible is clear. For every temptation, he right. gives you an avenue of escape. Yeah. Yes. And, so, and so, so you don't have an excuse. He's going to give you an avenue of escape the, the, the thing that we have to come to grips with, are we listening? Are we taking that avenue of escape? Are we, I mean, you have a choice here. God is all about choices. He's not going to force you to love him. But when you choose him, you become stronger. That's what these guys are saying. When you choose him over your flesh, choose him over your wills, and, your, and when you choose him, God will always 
cover you. Amen. All right, man. Amen. Hey, yeah. You know what? I want to add to what he's saying. It's, a, it's, it's good to find the right teammate, right? Uh, in that locker room of life where you, like, we know, like, I'm sure you, he knows the inside out, the guys in that locker room. You know, it's things that happen in that locker room. Oh, yeah. It's like, Can it used to be like Cancun. What happens in Cancun stays in Cancun, right? You see everything, right? But it's good to have somebody around you, what I call with CE, all right, confidential ears. Somebody that you could tell your issue to, tell your struggle to. And then we got to be able to be willing to talk. Most men don't like to talk. For example, I call one of my friends that me, that my wife, uh, we have the same mutual friends, right? So I'll talk to that. Hey, what's up, man? You doing all right? Yeah, I'm good. You want to watch that game? Yeah, I'm going to watch that game. Da, 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 right? And then I give the phone to my wife and, get, and, and put his wife on the phone. And then she gives her, did you know that such and such is sick? Did you know that da, 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 right? Women don't have a problem sharing. I mean, if we're going to stereotype, men, we got to be able to open up and share as well. Find somebody that we can be accountable to. Find somebody that's going to ask us the hard, hard questions, right? Empower somebody. Say, hey, look, man, ask me. And let them know what you're struggling with. Because we all got some form of kryptonite that we wrestle with on a daily basis, right? And so we need accountability. I know we kind of throw that accountability part in it, but generally, whatever it, you want to call it, but we need somebody that we could talk to that uh, it's this one affirmation, I'll be quiet. It's like, who does the strong turn to? A lot of times we're the strength and the foundation of our household. But who do we turn to when we're wounded? Who do we reach out to? I mean, when we're really wounded, where we need to share some emotional things in our heart that we need to download. Who do we have in our life that we could talk to? I mean, really talk to and keep it 100 and not feel judged and knowing and then also feel comfortable that my business is not going to be out in the street. We need to find somebody like that. I call it like a dipping place. It's a Bible where like, you talk about Naaman, who was a leper. And, and the Bible says that he, he, he found the, the man of God told him, go dip seven times. Well, we need a place where we can dip seven times, where we can take off the armor and dip and be healed. So look for that type of environment. Look for people, you know, who you can count on, whether it's a brother, whether it's a sister, or whoever it may be, that God will provide you. Because so, God says it's not good for man to be alone. And I believe that's just not talking about a helpmate. It's not good for us to do life alone. One could chase 1,000, two could chase 10,000. Well said. It's powerful. It's encouraging to, uh, to hear even for me and, and to think about, all right, what, what relationships in my life need to be cultivated more and how can I be more intentional and, and hopefully that, that, that's the case for all of us to kind of evaluate and examine. And, and sometimes it takes that, that bold step to actually invite somebody to say, hey, man, let, let's get together and have a, a real conversation and, and start the conversation. Somebody's got to start it. Somebody's got to get, get to that deep level so we can be that, we can be that guy. Uh, so I'm, I'm encouraged by that. I, I appreciate you guys uh, talking about that. Johnny, I want to go back to, to something you, you, you alluded to a, a couple times, and I think it's worth unpacking for, for all, three of, all three of you guys as well. The importance that sports is and football has been in your lives and for us as fans. I'm a huge sports fan. I watch a lot of sports. I play fantasy football. And so easily it becomes uh, the most important at times, right? It becomes we, we dedicate our whole schedules to. And, and for you guys, your whole lives have been you know, dedicated in many ways to being you know, the elite of the elite. You know, talk about being an all-decade team punter. 
um, and to win a Super Bowl and, and all that. I mean, what the commitment that it takes to that, um, to do that. But Johnny, I'd love, I'd love, Mike can't get over the, the punding. Um, but, but. Pop collar. That's big time. All decade in the that NFL? That is big time. That is big time. Pop his collar. <laughs> That's right. Well deserved, man. Well deserved. But Johnny, how do you, how do you wrestle with putting football in its proper space and, and place in light of who God is in your life and, and your identity being, you know, the, the, the battle of, oh, I'm football player, Johnny, I'm Super Bowl winner, versus who, who God says you are. Take us into that, that battle a little bit and some, some of the insight that you've grown and learned, learned through. Oh, man, this is, this is something that it's constantly a struggle. You know, still being a current player, you know, when my playing days are over, it's gonna, I'll have that kind of what am I doing now moment, you know, and, and trying to prepare my heart for that time. But I think for the most part is, is when I'm doing well is when my, my mouth is shut and my ears are open. You know, when I'm listening to the people around me that really care about me, that love me, that want to see me grow closer to God and, and be a, an upright man of God and not listening to people that are, you know, tweeting me or, or commenting on my social media posts. But uh, the, the fans, the people that just want to, you know, some want to build you up, some want to tear you down, some want to make you bigger than you are, some want to make you feel like garbage. Um, but really when I'm able to, okay, humble myself, okay, God, I'm, I'm blessed to be a, an athlete in this season of my life. Why? You know, it's, it's, not to, it's not to make myself, you know, cooler, to get money for my family or to be able to, to drive a nice car. It's, it's for me to be able to have means to bless ministries around the world, to be of use to my family and my community, the people that blessed me growing up, to shine the light back on the good work that they've done. And I think that, you know, at times I've lost track of that. You know, I've felt entitled to, you know, uh, you know why am I not, why am I not receiving this honor? Why is this person getting that? I feel like I worked for that. You know, what was me? Like, what, what, what am I doing? I'm, I'm blessed to be in the NFL. I've dreamed about this since I was a child. Um, you know, but I've really held, held my position as a, as a pro athlete above the humility of holding myself as a child of God. And so I think that when those two things are, you know, battling for my, my heart and my attention, I just need to take a step back, say, okay, What's going on? And also, I've been lucky to have people in my life that have been able to pull me back and say, hey, I, I spill my heart to them. I'm like, man, I'm hurt over this situation. Um, you know, a, a brief aside, the trophy ceremony after the Super Bowl, you know, I, I dropped a PAT snap. felt like I blew the game for our team. You know, we, only, we won 23 to 20 instead of 24 to 20. Um, you know, felt like, man, I let the team down. I didn't play my best. I had a few punts I wanted back. You know, our all the captains are on the stage except for me, hold, holding the trophy. I'm down there. My family's not on the field with me yet. And I'm like, gosh, this does not feel how I wanted it to feel. I held this thing up to this crazy regard. Like, man, once I finally win a Super Bowl, I'm going to feel X, Y, and Z. I'm going to feel fulfilled. I'm going to feel worth it. I'm going to feel like I'm finally the man that I've, I've wanted to be. But I just had a, a hole in my heart at that moment. Like, man, where's my family? My wife was having a hard time getting down on the field. She was with my two kids. Um, you know, but once they were there, a source of comfort, a source of, you know, God's provision and blessing in my life, a reminder of that, it all kind of went away. And I was able to enjoy the moment. Be like, you know what? This is what it's all about. I'm being able to make this memory with my family. I'm leaving a legacy with my family. God has been so good to me in this moment. It's not about being on that stage. It's not about the confetti falling on me and being up there, you know, with the commissioner and, and whoever's there. 
it's about, you know, I did this for these people that I'm with right here on, on the field. So that's cool. That's, yeah. Man, thank, thanks for question. sharing. Yeah. That's, that's a neat, neat perspective. Michael, what about for you, your uh, growth over the years in understanding the place that, that football has in, in your life and in some of those, those moments where you've realized, man, this isn't, this isn't all there is. This isn't what's most important. Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, football always try to, you know, sit on the throne of my life, you know, always try to take over. Uh, I mean, with football, I mean, before football, I was that big head, big feet, non-athletic kid that, you know, when I told people I was going to play, be a football player, they're like, <laughs> like, used to laugh in my face. I mean, you, you don't understand. It, like, growing up in Homestead, Florida, uh, we used to play football, you know, tackle on the grass, touching the road, then it'd be tackle everywhere, right? And, you know, when you're playing neighborhood football, I mean, I mean, we we used to have in the community, like I lived in Sunny Garden and, and we had different neighborhoods that we would play on Saturday. I don't know how they knew, but everybody knew. Like Saturday night, the games come, so we'll play Sunny Garden to play the projects. So we play play Sunny Haven. It's like going. And I I was not one of the best players, right? We had this guy named Big Sammy Crawley who used to run over everybody. But anyway, long story short, I wasn't good at all. But when I became good at football, then I became like, ooh, he cute. He got those LL Cool J lips, you know? <laughs> you know, like, ooh, da da da. You know, it became, that spotlight became came on me. Because growing up, I, I dealt with rejection. I was telling him, uh, you know, not as far as we talk about racism from typically from black to white, but it's racism within the black community. You know, I was what they call light skinned or red, Florida red, and my brothers and sisters was dark skinned. So he used to torture me, you adopted. No, 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 no. No, you're adopted, right? Look, her, my name is Carlos, her name Carolyn, your name Michael. CCM, you adopted, right? And I'm like, no, no. Then I used to pee to bed. I used up into my early teen years, you know. And then no, they wouldn't want to play with me. I mean, they used to torture me, man. My mom used to play with me and all that. So, and then it, within the community, you know, uh, I mean, I wasn't a ladies' man. But when I became a football player in that small town, like he was talking, he was the man on camera. I was the man. I, I mean, I was, I was the big fish in a little pond. Football was, was me, was my identity. Like, I, I found my identity in football, but, but, and then I became a prisoner of my success because I didn't know who really was around me for me. That's why I said I, I, I need more fans, more, more friends than fans, right? And so as I went through my journey, I mean, every, even when I gave my life to Christ, I was using God or pimping God just for football. I made sure I'm in. I, when it's when the day before the game, I ain't having no sex. Day of the game, I ain't having no sex, obviously. Uh, I'm going to the chapels. I'm doing all the religious things that I need to do that God would bless me. You know, I'm pimping him like God, da, da, da. And it, it, was, it was my God until I came here in Carolina, and I was a public success but a private failure. I was like the second highest paid linebacker in NFL at the time coming here. And boy, this Charlotte environment was, ooh, it was rough, you know? And what God was doing that I look back at it, he was taking all my idols. Everything that I put before him, he was tacking. 
like in Houston, I was media mic. I was on two TV shows, and, and, and everybody loved me, and football was going great. The girls, all that stuff was coming together. And I came here with the same intentions because that year prior, we were one game away from going to the Super Bowl, lost against Green Bay. So I'm like the three, four defense with Dom Capers and, and you had Sam Mills and Kevin Green and Lamar Lathan and they're going to put me in that system. And then the wheels start falling off, you know. I had to play. Kevin Green held out. They cut him. I had to, I'm 232. I had to play outside linebacker, the 3-4 scheme on the strong side, two-gap tight end. I didn't know how to do none of that. But then my year had led the team in sack, but missed eight or missed ten sacks. Y'all know how I feel, the one that got away. And it was just miserable, and God was just attacking everything, right? And God used my wife to bring me in. And when he brought me in, man, he cleaned me up, and he, he turned around, and he gave me balance. Because what I found out, just think about it, visually, if I put a football here, we're only as strong as our foundation. It's a lot of constructions going on in Carolina, right, in Charlotte. I'm sure a lot of guys in these rooms do, deal with some form of construction. Well, you know you're only as strong as your foundation, right? And my foundation was football. So imagine if I put a football on the ground and try to stand on it, all right? I'm going to be like that seal in the circus. I'm not going to have a chance, right? So when things going up, I'm here. When things going bad, I'm down there, and it's a roller coaster ride, right? But when I took football and made God my foundation and take that same big old church Bible that you sit on your grandma's coffee table, stand on that, that gave me a solid foundation, a solid ground. So I have to continue, right, to protect that. Like I said, because football always trying to be first, always. So for me, like I came up with this system for me just to remind me, to remind me how to invest my time, my talent, and my treasure. I call it the six Fs. So my palm is my faith and fellowship. I'm nothing without my faith and fellowship. I'm nothing without my faith in God, right? Everything, I'm, he's, he is the vine, I am the branch, all right? Then my thumb, my family and close friends, right? My, my number one, my fitness and health, because we can only go so much as our health to take us, right? I, my field of work and career. It used to be football and, and my calling, so it's field of work and calling, excuse me, right? And then right here, my, my uh, ring finger, right, is my finance investment. I got to tell my kids, hey, guys, look, I've been knowing your mom longer than you have. So don't mess with my money and my honey. <laughs> and then, and then the, my pinky all right, is my fun and hobbies. So every decision I make, and then when I allocate my time, this helps me stay balanced, this helps me stay focused, and this helps me constantly realize what's important to me. So it's that checks and balance that I have within myself, and then also with my teammates as well. Well said, appreciate that, Michael. Man, that's encouraging. And I know all of us can, can relate in our own lives. You know, we, we hear that word idol, and it's basically anything we're placing more value on than God. And, and anything that's taking more of our attention, more of our, our passion, more of our love, that, that's pulling us away from the path he has for us, the experiencing his presence, his love, the, the life that he invites us into. And, and, and we, we get distracted by the shiny objects. And, and they're, they're fun when our foundation is right 
and, and we can enjoy, you even put on there, you know, hobbies and fun. Right. Absolutely. We get to enjoy sports, and that's what we're all about here at Unpacking It. We enjoy sports, but in its proper place, yeah. Yeah. In, in, the, in the right, yeah. with the right perspective. And, and so all of us can take a look at our, our lives and say, all right, what, what am I chasing the most? What's most important? What do I think about the, the most when I wake up, when I go to bed? Is it, all right, God, what do you have for me? Where, where are you taking me? What, what, what's next? How can I serve you? How can I love you and your people? Um, and so those, those are the things that we've got to constantly you know, consider and evaluate, and that's why we need one another to, to keep, us, keep us focused and on track as well. Well, we're, we'll, we'll move quickly here. I, I know you guys committed with your, your wives. Hey, I'll, I'll be out of there. I'll come home. And so we'll, we'll try to keep, keep aware of time today. But I wanted to Over hear time. From, What's that? Overtime. overtime. There's always overtime. <laughs> Wives of sports fans understand that too. Oh, I went in overtime. What can you do? But I, I want to hear from, from Justin because your last couple of years have been very interesting. Very interesting. So I, I've known Justin for a few years and owns a, a restaurant, famous toastery. COVID hit. Restaurant owners. Here's one that dealt with it. But in the midst of all that, you started a church, and now you're pastoring a church. So, so how did God move through all of that and, and take us into kind of just some of the, the faith lessons that you learned that can even relate to our, our own lives today that, that, that are takeaways? Yeah, man. I, I mean, if you just in general, and when you play any type of sports, I don't care if it's a chess league or anything like that. I call them all sports. And so what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. I remember when Dan Reeves called me and said, hey, we want to draft you. They drafted me, and Dan Reeves, old school. I mean, the stuff that they do now, I've never heard of some of the, what they, how they practice, two-a-days. But Dan Reeves, oh, you're going to have two-a-days every day, and on Saturdays you're going to do live short yards and goal line. And so taking, taking some of that, like, in order for me to, to be the player I want to be on the field, I have to make sure I'm doing what I need to do off the field. What you are doing in private will show up in public. And I take it for either way, and you can take it in, in being a dead, you can take it in being your spiritual life. What you do in private is going to show up at some point. If I'm learning more about God, what's in you is going to come out. If you're not uh, spending time advancing your spiritual walk, that's going to come out too. And so football has, has taught me to persevere, even when no one is looking, even when I don't understand what's going on, because you can't stay in the league long enough. You can't stay in the league long if you don't have some type of ethic, a work ethic. You cannot play baseball for long if you don't have some type of work. You cannot, you would not be a husband long if you are settling in on being the same guy she met 30 years ago. It would not work. And so football has taught me you have to put the time in to be able to sustain the things that you're trying to do. And so I took that from playing eight years, had an opportunity to coach four years. Pete Carroll gave me a chance to coach in Seattle. Then I went to Oakland, got caught up in Lane Kiffin and, and all that stuff. And, and, and I had an opportunity to coach um, offensive line for four years down in Oakland, and then once we started having kids, we moved back. We moved back. I said, enough of the coaching life. That's 12 years of my life I've dedicated to the league. I'm done. I'm good. But I took the same work ethics to my 
that I had in coaching, that I have with that has a player, and I, I put it into action when it came to being a businessman and making sure I'm being, most of all, the husband and the father I should be. And so when, like you were saying, when COVID happened, I had to kick everything in gear. I became a player again. I mean, you, when you're a player, when you hit in, in, the, in the league at practice, we, we used to practice this thing called sudden change. You can get out there, offense, you have a drive going, and all of a sudden, coach will blow the whistle. Hey, man, you got to hold it on this guy. We're going to back you up 15 yards. They give you a time to get to the end zone. We got to win. We got, we're down seven or we're down three. This is the situation. And the main thing that you do in those moments, you have to know who you are, and you have to have the tools to get yourself out of it. In your Christian walk, you have to know who you are, and you got to have the tools to get yourself out of it. You know who you are. The tools is in that word of God. Because when you don't have anybody else speaking to you, you got to start speaking to yourself. Am I, can y'all hear me out there? Mighty quiet in here. Everybody got full? <laughs> so here we are. When COVID happened, I had to start speaking to myself. God, this thing is going to work out. It's going to work out. I furloughed. I had to furlough 33 employees. That was the hardest thing I've ever experienced. Now, I experienced being released from teams. Experience being cut, experience seeing on the other side of it, experience talking about people and say, hey, man, he's a cap casualty. We got to let him go. I've experienced coaches doing that. But to actually go through it and have to do that at this thing, this is a real life thing. This is not like football. You miss out on a million dollars. Somebody's not going to get that check that's going to pay that apartment note the next day. And at those moments, you got to talk to yourself. And so here I am. I weathered the storm. Trusted God in the middle of COVID, had an opportunity, one of the great opportunities to get out of the restaurant business, but like a dumb man stayed in there. <laughs> but to just see where God, to see what he's doing right now. And, and in the midst of that, God started talking to me about pastoring the church. I'm like, you know, God, look, man, I was raised in the house with a Baptist preacher. We went to church seven days a week. Fire and brimstone every day. I don't have anything to do with church. When I, when I went to college, I didn't go to church for the first year and a half. Because you, you were raised around it all the time. And so here, and you get to this point, and I'm like, all right, God, I hear you talking to me. I hear you talking to me and all that kind of stuff. And I say, you know what, God, I tell you what. I tell you what. If you want me to pass the church, you got to come get me out of my backyard. You know, when you challenge God, <laughs> the next thing he's going to do is he's going to prove to you he has called you to do something. I'll send in my backyard with my, with my wife and my children one day, four boys, and this lady called my wife and she said, look, are you guys home? Yeah, we're home. It was like 7 o'clock that evening. She walks back there. We're sitting out there, Kim and I, we're talking and going on. She walks back there. She looks at me, and I, this is the dead truth. This is, this is the only reason why I started the ministry. <laughs> the only reason why I started it. She walked up to me. She said, here is a seed, $250. God said, this is the first seed he wants you to have, and he said he is serious about you starting that church. <laughs> wow. Wow. Man, look here. Look here. Look here. Yes. I have, from that moment, 
I have never doubted hearing <laughs> God clearly. Amen. Because when he comes strong like right. that, right. you don't have another choice. Right. What choice do you so so even now in ministry, I mean we started in started on Zoom, went from Zoom to a daycare parking lot, and now I'm in Ridge Road Middle School, and we set up every Saturday. I'm gonna set up today, but I take the same thing. I take the same thing that I used to do for playing football, the same work ethic. Right. Because at one point, you got to see, if, whenever you put something on the throne other than God, he comes away. Mm-hmm. He would not be there. He, he would not stay there if you want something else to be first. It's only when you knock everything else out and you put God in that place with everything around it, it's going to work out for your good. He would not stay there if you insist on putting something else, football, money, construction, all that, whatever it is, as long as you have that first, God would not, he would not be there. It's only when you knock that off that God will show up. And he has, he, he has been with me ever since, two years strong, a growing ministry. And I, and I have to thank God for thank people you. like Pastor awesome. Darren Gray who's been very instrumental. Reverend Bulk. Yes, that's I him. Call, I call him Reverend Bulk. That's him, man. That's him. <laughs> he used to be preaching, man. I mean, I, we, I played with Darren at uh, Carolina Panthers, man. I'll just say this quick so you can share the story with him. I call him Reverend Bulk. Man, I mean, we in the shower. We come out the shower, got a towel on. Darren, Darren trying to preach. Say, Darren, I'm, let me dry off first, please. <laughs> that's good. That's good. But that's, that's what God is doing, man. He has wow. done that, and I... Um, I've been scared ever since, Amen. and I'm going to stay in that place. I'm going to be scared. <laughs> trust in him. Trust in him because you got to have it, man. <laughs> a- amen. So, gosh, so much to, to unpack with, with that, but, uh, gosh, we're, we're, run, we're running out of time. But, man, I appreciate you sharing that. What a cool, cool story. I, I did want to end with, with, with Michael, and, and we, we talked yesterday, and something that I, that I think will resonate for all of us that we need to hear over and over is, you mentioned it earlier, but the difference between um, religion and relationship and, and understanding that, that God truly loves us. Yeah. And, and, and not so much, you even mentioned the fire and brimstone, and there, there is the wrath of God, and, and, and hell is real, and, and there are consequences for, for sin, but, but God loves us so much that he, he sent Jesus yeah. to, to die on the cross for, for our behalf and 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 he rose again and, and lives and now we can live and and, and so Michael that that clicked for you in a, in a significant way and it's changed the way you live your life knowing that you don't have to, to, to live in the the negative kind of fear but it's a, an awe and, and wonder and fear of God but the love of God and so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the mic to sort of wrap wrap things up a little bit for us and, and give an encouragement to the, to the men today what he was talking about, and I kind of alluded on to it earlier, uh, young and early in my relationship when I gave my life to Christ and uh, being a freshman at University of Miami, uh, I knew more about, I had the enthusiasm, I wanted to do right, but I knew more, more about the law of God instead of the lo- love of God. I knew the do's and don'ts. Don't do this, can't do this, can't have sex, can't have this, right? And that's not going to keep us. You know, Paul talks about in Romans chapter 7, right? The things I want to do, I'm not doing. But the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Wretched man I am, who shall save me from this body of death? And, and I'm sitting here saved, 
And I still was struggling because I didn't know about the love of God. One of the revelations that I got when I came to that little small church here in Charlotte, 19, January 9th, 1998, when Jesus is real. And whatever he needs to do to show you that he's real in your life, just like he's like, Lord, if you want me to do it, come do that. And I start laughing because this times I'll be like saying the same thing, right? But whatever you need to do, how many times us, when I wasn't, we wasn't saved, we cried that prayer like, Lord, I promise, if you, if you do it this one time for me, I'll never do it again, right? How many of y'all raise your hand? How many times y'all right? And he showed up and showed out on our behalf, right? But even then, what we did, like a New Year resolution, this very thing we said we weren't going to do, we weren't doing it, right? But for me, it's just like Joseph when he was tempted by Prados for wife, he said, basically, your husband is so good to me, right? And only thing he withheld is you. But he said this, he said, but I can't sin against God. And when you have a relationship with the loving God, like that's what's gonna keep us. That's what kept me. It went from, I transitioned from do's and don'ts so I told you he became real where it went like more, my conversation was like this. I'll have the temptation to do something, but I'll be like, God, I can't do it. I can't let you down. I started thinking more about, less about myself and more about him. And, and that's what kept me, the love of God. And I was like, God, you, you, everything that I have, when we really look at it, you gave it to me. You gave, like you, it, it, it wouldn't exist without you. Everything, uh, I heard somebody, a quote says that you're rich when you have something that money can't buy. You're rich when you have something that money can't buy. And we kind of alluded about this earlier, but a lot of times, I know I'll start with me, we, we're chasing after the wrong thing. Uh, king Saul, before he became king, the prophet Samuel found him chasing after donkeys. And we know the King James word for that donkey, right? <laughs> and a lot of us in this room, I know me, we, I've been chasing after that all my life. Chasing after the wrong thing. And the, and the thing about that is that his father had him chasing or looking for those donkeys. And a lot of times generational, right, we doing what we see other people do. More is caught than taught. Nobody taught, nobody is rarely uh, where somebody taught us how to be a husband, how to be a father, how to be a brother, right? We just catch it. We're watching John Wayne on TV or whatever, right? Or watching our football players or whatever. That's how we catch it. And then sometimes we catch the wrong thing that we don't have a vaccine for. But we have to be intentional in our walk with Christ, and it starts with the love of God. The Bible in 1 Corinthians 13 just broadcasts what that love looks like. And I'm going to challenge you like I challenged me once. I don't know. We don't do it. Well, we do it periodically in my house. We'll go take 1 Corinthians 13, chapter 4, and where the Bible says love is patient, love is kind, Right? And then obviously the Bible says what God is love. Well, we'll put ourselves in there. 
And we'll start off, Michael is patient, Michael is kind, and all my kids there who's got a front row seat and my wife, they judge me. Michael is patient. <laughs> Michael's kind. <laughs> right away. So far, I'll just be honest, the only one got a passing grade in our house is my wife. <laughs> you know? So I got a lot of work to do, right? But we're holding our standard to the love of God. Because like I mentioned earlier, we don't want to bend our we don't want the bend God truth to fit our life and justify what we're doing. But when you're humble, you want to bend your life, right, to fit God's truth. I, I want to close with this. And you uh, Elijah challenged the people. He said, choose this day whom you're gonna serve, right? All right, now. In this world, I think about this little metaphysics things that they got on with the avatars and you go in that world, right? Well, the same thing is, is reversed in this world. You need a body to operate, right? And so what I was thinking about, Jesus said, well, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So we understand the importance of being in control, especially if you got the road control. You said, I'm in control, whoever control. Well, with us, right? Choose this day whom you're going to serve. Who are you going to give the remote control of your life to? Are you going to give it to the devil or are you going to give it to God? I'm serious. It's a fine line. It's right there. And we, I'm talking about give it all. Because whatever you don't commit to God is, is, ter is, is a territory for the enemy. So I just thought about that, that we have to make that decision. And, man, I'm telling you. I'd rather give my life. We got to choose. That's why Paul said, I'm a bond servant. I'm a willing servant to the Lord. So I'd rather give my life. If I got to choose one, I'd rather choose Christ because he's a loving God. He's a peaceful God. He's got plans to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us hope and expect it in. That he wants to give us life and life more abundantly. He don't, he don't want to steal, kill, and destroy, but he wants us to have that abundant life. Amen. Amen. Well, let, let's thank these three guys for being here this morning. And, that, and listen, listen. We, we've, we've talked about some really encouraging things today, and I, I just appreciate their humility and their heart for God. It's evident. You hear it in what they're talking about, the lives that, that they're, they're living, and, and it's it's clear that they, that they love God. And, and for all of us, as we leave today, let's consider that. Do, do I love God more than anything? And, and for some people here today, somebody dragged you here, somebody brought you, and you go, ah, I'll go get some food, I'll hear a little football talk. And maybe God's stirring in your heart. Maybe for the first time, maybe, maybe for the first time in a long time. Listen to that, that voice. That's, the, that's, that's a real God. That's the Holy Spirit working, moving, wooing you to let you know that God loves you. And he wants, to, he wants you to know him in a personal way, not in a do's or don'ts. And, and I'm inviting you to be a part of Unpacking It, inviting you to be a part of the, 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 the family of God. Not for do's and don'ts, this and that. It's to experience the full life that's found in Jesus. That's the invitation. That's why we do this. That's why I've been stressed out for the last week, because I want you guys to know Jesus. I want you to have great breakfast. I want to put together a great program. But I want to see sports fans following Jesus. I want us to be 
dads that, that, that put Christ at the center of our marriages, that we're raising our kids to know Jesus and follow Jesus at a young age and then continue on. And they're the leaders that, that are in their schools. They're the leaders that go off to college and, and invite guys to come to a small group, right? And so we've got to set that standard. We've got, we've got to look to God's word and, and seek him each morning and, and live for him each day. And we've got to do it together. And so today, if you go, man, I want to know Jesus. I want to follow him for the first time. I'm going to pray right now. You pray that prayer for yourself. You surrender your life to him. We've got people up here that, that are, i got pastors, some of my friends, that, that are willing to pray with you. they got a little prayer card. It says prayer team. They'll be up here hanging out. Let us pray for you. And if you're dealing with something today, you brought in a, a burden, a, a weight, marriage-wise, work-wise, something going on that, that you need prayer for, God wants to meet you in that place. He wants to provide you peace and comfort, and he will. He will. Invite him in. Invite him in. And we don't have to carry those burdens. We don't have to carry them alone. Drop them at the feet of Jesus and, and, and invite other people to carry those burdens with you. Let's live life together as followers of Jesus. And, and so let me, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for an incredible morning. Thank you for using football, a silly sport, to, to bring about conversations of, of life and faith. And so we thank you, Lord, for the way that you, you're speaking to each of us right now. And Lord, for anybody that is feeling, feeling your tug, Lord, to, to surrender their lives to you, you guys can, can, can pray th this prayer. Jesus, I, I invite you to take over. I invite you to be on the, 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 the throne. I, I move away. I, I, I need you to take over. I believe that you came to earth, that, that you died on the cross for me, that you rose again, and that you offer eternal life. And, and, and Lord, I pray that you'd forgive me for the, 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 the life that I lived, the, the, the sin that I pursued, the, the things that I was chasing. Lord, I receive that grace. I receive your, your forgiveness. I receive your, your mercy. And I receive you as, as my Savior. I receive you as my Lord Give me the strength and the power from the Holy Spirit to live for you and with you. Come into my life. Take over. Take over right now. And so, Lord, for anybody that, that's, that's praying that right now, that, that, that's making that decision where things today finally clicked, it finally made sense, it became real, that you are real, that you are good, that you are faithful, Lord, that they would take that and it'd be, it would dig down deep into their soul and, and, Lord, that you surround them with the right people to help walk them uh, on this journey, Lord. We thank you. We thank you for this morning. I, I pray for, for every man in this, in this room that they would leave encouraged and uplifted, their heart filled with you, Lord, that they'd feel your peace, they'd feel your presence, they'd experience your joy. We thank you for the way that you love us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.